you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Amen. All right. Well, if you would get... Um, if you would open your Bibles, um, <clears throat> we're going to be kind of jumping around a little bit. So if you have a, a Bible with you, uh, go ahead and open it now to, uh, what did I say? I wrote it down somewhere in here. I'd made a little change. And if you know me, I don't like making changes. Uh, we're going to be starting in Numbers 14. Um, and if you uh, don't um, have a Bible with you, the there's a really awesome, if you're ever interested, um, I try and tell as many people about this as I can. Um, there's a really good Bible app uh, for Android and iPhone. Uh, it's usually just called Bible, but if you kind of look into it, it's, it's either called like the Life Church Bible app or the YouVersion Bible app. I really strongly, strongly recommend it. If you don't uh, have a Bible app on your phone, I... Um, you know, physical books are great, uh, but the Bible app's really cool. You can get kind of anywhere really fast. It has basically every translation right at your fingertips, uh, and it even has audio, audio Bibles on it. Um, so if you're, like, not, uh, you know, super into, to like, reading on a page or whatever, and you want to listen to Scripture, it's really, really great for that. Hi- so highly recommend it. There's my, my pitch for the YouVersion Bible app. So if you have that, you can open it up to Numbers, Numbers 14 as well. Um, and, and as I mentioned, uh, get your note card ready and your pen ready. We'll use that in just, in just a minute. Uh, but just to, to start us off, uh, we've been talking about, uh, this idea that's all throughout scripture, um, uh, and it's the idea of testing, what it means to be tested, to pass the test, uh, to get through to the other side. And, and scripture kind of has this idea that in life, um, we face these, um, situations in these moments that um, give us an opportunity uh, to either do kind of the, the right thing or, or the wrong thing. Last week, uh, we talked about uh, tests, uh, trials of fire uh, is what we called it. And, and the thought of this in scripture is that sometimes the things that we're going through are so difficult, they're so painful, or they're so frustrating uh, that uh, the goal and the hope and the prayer is just to get through it, <laughs> and on the other side, uh, we'll find that uh, we're like um, like refined metal, that the fire that we went through, the trouble, the trial, the challenge, whatever that we went through, it, it burned off some of the unnecessary um, uh, kind of character defects and uh, trouble in, in who we are in the Bible. Uh, uh, James uh, talks a lot about testing, and when he talks about tests of fire, he talks about, um, he says, you know, be grateful when you face uh, persecution and trials, because God uses those things to make you better than you were before, and so while a trial of fire is painful, you come out on the other side different, uh, better. Uh, today, we're, we're talking about um, uh, what I'm calling tests of water, and the reason uh, is because a lot of times they involve physical water, um, but, but these, are, these are opportunities that God gives us. Uh, there are times in our lives where God, and in the Bible especially, uh, where God calls a group of people and says, I have something amazing to give you, but you have to be willing to come get it from me. 
Um, so one example of a, of a test of water, if you were, you know, like a Sunday school kid, uh, you know the story of Noah, right? The world's going to flood, and God gives Noah a chance. He gives Noah a chance to escape the chaos and the uncreation that's coming uh, his way, and he says, if you build a boat, um, you'll survive the the water. You'll pass through the water. And so we're going to talk about um, a couple different tests of water in, in Scripture. Um, uh, and these are, these are opportunities uh, to take something that God wants to give us. Uh, so where, uh, you know, a test of fire is, is bad, awful, difficult stuff that we go through in our lives, and somehow God uses those experiences to make us into something um, more than we were before. A test of water is God is offering us a gift uh, but there's a challenge, there's a difficulty, there's some fear in grabbing hold of it, uh, and he's going to let us choose whether or not we cross uh, that river. And the reason I'm talking about this is because uh, I think we can all admit that we are going through a period of testing, uh, in, and I don't care who you are, I feel incredibly tested over these last few months. And some of the tests that I've faced in my relationships and in my workplace and my others, uh, maybe I've passed, <laughs> and some of the tests... I've failed, but I don't think anybody can deny that this is a time where every uh, thing about who we are, everything that we do every single day, it feels like a, like a test. And, and I believe that God can use uh, uh, those things. And so uh, I wrote out my whole sermon like I always do on my tablet, uh, but when I got here this morning, uh, it just felt like there was a different way to talk to you guys about, uh, about this. So if this is a disaster, I apologize. Um, so we're all, we're all facing this, this test, and so, uh, you know, we get an opportunity, and I don't know about you, but every day I feel like I get an opportunity to either be who I tell myself that I am, <laughs> a nice person that cares about people, or be maybe who I, uh, am at my worst, you know, somebody that pulls in, that shuts off others, that, that gets, gets frustrated. I don't know about you, but every morning I feel like I get this chance to kind of give in to, like, the anger and the despair, the fear and the frustration about a given situation. Maybe for you it's not when you wake up in the morning, but it's like when the first person does the thing that drives you crazy, and then you have this moment where you're like, am I going to give in to this, or am I going to uh, uh, not? Um, am I going to bear up and offer grace and, and love to others? So, so we're going to look at Numbers 14. Uh, you've got your card with you, and there's a little slide I'll show you. This is what I want you to do with your card. It's going to help us tell the story. Um, so there we go. Perfect. I took that today. You can see how well prepared I was. So uh, if you're watching with us online, if you're here, get your pen out, and I want you to draw, right, two vertical lines down the middle next to each other, okay? And then draw uh, two uh, fatter lines, kind of segment the card into three sections. And so you wind up with, with six big boxes and three little boxes in the middle, I was going to do this on a whiteboard, but I thought it would be way more fun to, to have you guys use the whiteboards today. So, so write that down, and in the first box, you can write the letter I, uh, and the second box, um, PL, you know, you, I mean, you can copy it, right? I, PL, I2, um, PL, uh, us, and, and PL. And we'll be filling in these, these boxes as we go, as we look at this idea in Scripture of of the test. Now you get a little little taste of, of what it's like to, to deal with me in confirmation class. Um, so, Josh nods his head. So if you would write those down, uh, we're going to talk about uh, two, two tests in scripture, and the first one is in 
Uh, Numbers 14, and if you want, you can write Numbers 14 by that first regular I, um, so you remember. The I that you wrote stands for Israel. Uh, Israel is uh, this group of people that, in, for the purposes of our story, God has just led out of slavery in uh, ancient Egypt. Okay, so life was bad. They were slaves in ancient Egypt. God shows up, and if you read the book of Exodus, you can read this whole story. But he shows up and, and liberates them from slavery. And so these people that have been slaves their whole lives in a foreign land, uh, they cross uh, over into the desert, and they're wandering in the desert in Exodus. And in the desert, God is feeding them miraculously. That's, that's the story. Um, and so here they are, I, the Israelites, in Numbers 14, they're standing um, at kind of the southern border of a different uh, kind of country in, in their day, a different region uh, in, the, in the Near East. And what we need to know is that God has promised the Israelites that he has a place for them. Uh, not only is he going to bring them out of slavery, he's promised them that he has a special uh, region, a physical, real place to live, uh, uh, that he's calling the promised land, the land that God promised. Uh, and he's going to bring them into that land. And so God has brought uh, Israel, along with their leaders, all these recently freed slaves who have been surviving in the desert for for a few months, and he brings them up to um, the border of the promised land, okay? We're here, God's done great things, we're ready to go, and so um, starting in Numbers 13, uh, and we're going to jump around a lot, because there's a lot here, and we'd be here all day if I read all of it. Um, it starts out in verse 14, it says, the Lord said to Moses, this is how, how the uh, Old Testament talks about God, God says to Moses, the leader of the Israelites, Send some men to the explore the land of Canaan. That's what's going to be the promised land, the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe and send one of its leaders. So, right, they're on the southern border of Canaan, the promised land. They send these spies out. And, and Moses says, okay, go and see, this is verse 18, see what the land is like and whether the people live there are strong or weak, whether there's a lot of people there, um, what kind of land do they live in? Is it a good place to live? Is it a bad place to live? Send spies to figure out what Canaan looks like. That's what Moses says. God says, Moses, do this. Moses says, okay. And so the spies go. They go into the land. And as they, as they enter Canaan, uh, what Numbers tells us, the spies discover that it is indeed a beautiful place. Um, it's flowing with, uh, the Bible says, flowing with milk and honey. Um, now, if you lived in the ancient Near East, um, you'd know that those are, are valuable products and just things that you want to have. And it's God's way of saying, the Bible's way of saying that this land is awesome. It's well cultivated. Things grow beautifully and the harvests are huge. If you live here, this is going to be a, a perfect place. And so that's PL, that's promised land uh, right there. Uh, and so uh, they, they spied out, and my favorite is right here in, in verse thir chapter 13, verse 23. It says, when they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. This is like um, the Bible's way of showing you what's going on. It says, it says that they cut this cluster of grapes, and two of them carried it on a pole <laughs> back to camp. Uh, this, is, this is meant to be like uh, excessive abundance, right? It's like you go to the grocery store, and, and the grapes fill up like half of your cart. That's how amazing this place is, and so they're bringing it back. And it says, um, uh, then they came back to Moses and Aaron, the, the leaders of the people, the spies come back at uh, Kadesh in the desert of Paran. This is the southern border of Canaan, right? Uh, there they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. 
Uh, and they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. The spies say it is abundant beyond measure. It's a great, beautiful, wonderful place to live. Um, wonderful opportunity. Um, but the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. Here's the catch, right? Uh, it's a beautiful place to live, but the people there are very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak here. The, um, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and all these other people. He says there's all these nations, and, and the reason they say Anak is Anak, they're like, they're, he's just saying they're huge. Like the people are huge, they're dangerous, they have these beautiful cities. Yeah, they've got lots of produce, and God says he's going to bring us in here, but we're pretty sure that if we go in there, it's going to be the end of, of us. Uh, then one of the spies says, he says, okay, you know, you said Moses, God said this is our land. Um, he says, um, we should go up and take possession of the land, for they, we certainly can do it. So one of the spies says that, but, but the rest, um, they respond this way. They say, you're, you're crazy. This is verse 31. We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored, I love this word picture, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of an Anak that come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They may have grapes the size of grapefruits, but they have giants to eat the grapes, the spies say. Uh, and so here we are, right? And, and so here's your, here's your diagram. Um, the Israelites are there on one side. The promised land is there on the other side. And so right down the middle, um, they're not, uh, in this story, they're not literally on a river, but they're on a, on a border. Right down in the middle, uh, I'm going to call that a, a river. And what I want you to write in that river is, um, is whatever word comes into your mind along this, right? So the river is, is doubt, uncertainty, and fear. Um, for the Israelites, um, right there on, on their border in, in Numbers, the river is giants in the land, in fortified cities, and the, the certain feeling that they will not make it. Okay, the, it's dangerous. That river, it represents the cost, right? There's a, there's a lot of reasonable fear in entering into the promised land uh, in, in Numbers. And so there's this moment, uh, whenever uh, in the Bible, whenever somebody is facing this kind of test, this test of, of water, this test of opportunity, uh, God has promised them something amazing. He's asked them to come get it, and that's what's happened so far in the story. God says, this land is yours. I want you to come in and take it, and I'll give you what you need. Um, but there's, there's real challenge. There's real trouble. There's doubt. There's fear. There's uncertainty. It's not good. And so then the question becomes, and this repeats over and over again in Scripture, the more you read the Bible, the more you see um, they play with these themes over and over again, and, and they, um, the stories mess with it uh, to make different kinds of points. And so this is, again, right, Noah, what did he choose? He chose to get in the ark. Uh, but here they are standing on the border. What are they going to do? The spies are starting to spread a bad report, and, and what happens is uh, they actually get together a mob of people that are letting uh, the the doubt, uncertainty, and fear, um, they're letting it get to them, and, and you know, let's, let's be fair to them because they're giants in the land, right? 
And this is what happens in chapter 14. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, I love this line, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken for us as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Sometimes in life, the challenges of getting to the places that God is leading us make us wish we could just go back to wherever we started, even if it was bad. And, and the same thing happens to them. They say, you know what? I would rather die a slave in Egypt than at the sword of a Canaanite. And I'm not sure I can trust that same God to do that. And so what happens, the whole assembly, they uh, come together, they actually talk about stoning Moses and Aaron and choosing new leaders that will bring them uh, back to Egypt. And, and so uh, God actually steps in and, and stops this from happening in this moment. And, and, he, and he says this, it's kind of a, a long story, uh, but he gives this message to Moses after he stepped in and stopped the rebellion um, as they're standing on, on the river. God says this, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. He says, you want, uh, you would rather die in the desert, I'm going to let you do that, God, God says. He says, in this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who is counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter this land I swore with uplifted hand uh, to make your home, except for Caleb. That was the one good spy. And he says, as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I'll bring them in to enjoy the land that you've rejected. And so in this moment, as they stand on the border, uh, you can just write an arrow going backwards. Just an eye, that first eye, you can just draw an arrow headed this way. The people, they choose not to, to grab on to what God has given them uh, for all kinds of good reasons, right? For fear, uncertainty, doubt, challenge, difficulty, whatever it is. There are tons of good reasons not to go, and they say, you know what? I'm not sure that we can trust God enough to go, to take, to take the risk and go, and so you can draw that arrow back, and, and God does something interesting to me in this story, is he says, okay, if you don't want what's on the other side of the water, I won't give it to you. Um, it's, it's a sad story, but, and God does this often in scripture. Um, he offers a choice, and he allows people to choose. He doesn't force them over the river. He doesn't say, hold on, just come with me really quick. He doesn't beg them to come over the river. Um, he says, okay, if you don't want to go, if you don't want the gift that I'm offering, you don't have to have it. And so they, they go back, but, but God's promise, um, he, it passes on, right? It passes on to their children, and that's what I2 stands for. And I just want to uh, compare this uh, with, with I2. So, so what happens in the story, in between all these pages here in, in Numbers and Deuteronomy, if you skip over those and go to the book of Joshua, chapter 1, uh, verse 16, the story picks up. Um, and what's happened is this, right? And, and the Bible tells the story. It's super interesting. It tells all about what they did as they wandered the desert for 40 years. They weren't ready to come in. You don't want to come in the land. And so God says, okay, you can wait in the desert until all of you who are not interested in grabbing what I have to offer are gone, but your children 
they will cross this river. I'm going to offer this same thing to them again. And Joshua is where that happens. Joshua tells the story of that. And in, in chapter one, um, they've just gotten done hearing a, a retelling um, from, from Moses, who's now just died, of everything they've been through. And they've been offered an opportunity again to cross the river, to cross uh, the border into this land and be led by God in taking this thing that he's offering them. And, and again, the river is the same. This time they're standing on the banks of an actual physical river, the Jordan River. They're in a new place. There's a river in front of them. In a moment, um, they're going to get a chance to cross that river. Uh, and God asks them, he says, be strong and courageous. Uh, and, and see if, and he gives this opportunity again. In verse 16, uh, the people, they answer Joshua, their new leader, right? Because their old leaders are gone. Uh, their old leaders have passed away. They died in the desert. So here's Joshua. They answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and doesn't obey it, um, whatever you may command, and we'll, we'll put them to death. Only be strong and courageous. So the people, um, they've made a new choice. And oftentimes when we go through things, we're changed, and this is a group of people who has changed. They grew up in the desert. They grew up, um, if you read uh, Exodus and Leviticus, God uh, feeds the people basically hand to mouth every single day of the 40 years that they're in the desert. And so they know what it is to trust, and they look over their own river uh, of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, but instead, uh, they decide to take the opportunity to cross, to follow where God is leading, and so they do. And so you can draw an arrow um, extending across, uh, across the river of doubt, fear, and uncertainty into the promised land. And Joshua tells the story of what it was like for them to grab onto that opportunity. And so, the, the, uh, so that's, that's there. Um, <clears throat> And so the thing that, to me, jumps out in this moment, when we face uh, different kinds of opportunities, when we are given things by God, and, and he's asking us to follow in a place that maybe we've never been before, we don't know what it's going to be like, um, he, he offers us something. There's doubt and fear in accepting it. Uh, but at the end of the day, God is going to honor our choice, right? He's not going to force us to cross that river if we don't want to. And so what I, I want you to do, because this is the thing I, I need to remember, and I think it's a positive thing, but it's also kind of a, um, a weighty thing. Uh, and I think the Bible uh, repeats this in so many ways again and again, and, it, and it's this point, and you can just write on the back of your card, uh, God honors my choice. Uh, and, if you, and if you leave here with nothing else, that's the thing that I want you to remember. That's the thing that I need to remember uh, every day, and we'll talk a little bit about why. But um, a, a theme throughout the Bible, all of these tests repeated again and again, is that God is never going to force his people to take something they don't want to take. God is never going to force us to follow him. He's never going to force us towards what's best for us or others. Uh, he's going to offer it. But at the end of the day, he honors our choice. And so then as, as we, we remember this, you write that in a bigger card, God honors my choice. Uh, as we think about this, the last question is, so what about us? Where do we stand? What is our river of doubt and fear and uncertainty? What is the promised land being offered to us? Well, believe it or not, um, you know, throughout the Bible, um, and you'll find this story repeated again and again, you'll find people 
uh, choosing what God has for them or choosing against it. Most of the time, they choose against it. Most of the time, even if they choose right at first, they, they screw up and mess up and, and fail at the end of the day until uh, the New Testament, when Jesus comes along. And, and Jesus, the, one of the first things he does before he starts his ministry is he stands in the Jordan River. Uh, he stands right there where the Israelites uh, were facing the promised land. He goes and walks into the river, and he allows this uh, guy uh, to baptize him. Uh, he allows this guy to, to bring him through the water as a sign of his obedience to God. And Jesus lives a life of choosing uh, what God has to offer him again and again, even when it's scary or difficult and, or hard. And we believe that as Jesus uh, chose, willingly laid his life down on the cross for our sake, uh, he chose uh, what God was offering for us again. And as Jesus walked the earth, he talked about all kinds of different ways that we can choose what God has for us. He talked about all kinds of different things, and, and one place that's, that's really good for that, um, I want to turn to, and I, I really think this means this, if you just skip over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, um, Jesus spends, uh, the Bible kind of collects a bunch of his teachings. He spends a whole day telling people that the old way of living on earth, the way that's defined by getting as much as I can for me, uh, that's defined by making sure I'm taken care of at the expense of others, that's defined by um, <clears throat> putting myself above everybody else. Jesus says, that world is done because of me. And he invites people to follow him. He says, come, follow me. And if you want to look, you're ever bored, Matthew 5 through, um, through 7 it basically sums up uh, what Jesus imagines this new kingdom is like. Uh, it's a kind of place where um, instead of hating our enemies, we love them and care for them. Um, it's a place where instead of um, casting judgment on all the people that we come in contact with every day for all the stupid, horrible choices they're making, um, <clears throat> we let those things go and allow God to work on us. He, he describes a world where we don't have to worry about every tomorrow or every next day because there's actually a God who's holding on to our life both here in this world and on uh, to the other uh, Jesus uh, says this in chapter 7, verse 13. He says, and he gives his people that are sitting there on the plane, he gives us uh, sitting here today a choice if we want to cross over our own rivers of doubt and fear and uncertainty into a promised land. He says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus says, God will honor your choice, but choose me. Uh, so you can write, you know, you got there the us, and, and I just put on my card, I just put a question mark on that river because I think every single day um, we get an opportunity uh, to decide if we're going to live on that side of the river or on this side of the river. Uh, if we're going to treat other people as if God is in control or treat other people as if we got to make sure that I get enough for me and who cares what happens to them. Um, there's this um, verse in, in James uh, chapter 4, verse 7. He says this. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, I thought I marked it, but I didn't. Um, James 4, uh, verse 7. He says, nope, that's not, 
what I thought it was. Oh, 4 verse 17. There we go. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Um, and if you read Matthew 5 through 7, um, if you read uh, scripture, if you listen to your own conscience, most of the time, we know what God would have us choose. Uh, I had an, an experience in youth group. We were talking with the students today, and, or last Wednesday, and I was asking them about what are the worst, most difficult, frustrating, challenging things in school uh, these days. And one of the things that they talked about was the fact that every single person in their school, um, they said, it's, it's a good thing that we're going back to online only right now. <laughs> because after the election, everybody's fighting with each other. So everybody shows up with a mask to, uh, to suggest which political party they belong to. And I, I had to laugh to myself because I said, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to patronize you guys at all because it matters to everybody, but none of you guys can even vote. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we know. <laughs> but everybody's chosen a side. Everybody's decided that thing mattered more than anything else. And I couldn't help but think all week long that the reason that our kids are acting like that is not because they figured it out on their own and made this up themselves. <laughs> this is not a symptom uh, of something that they came up with. Uh, this is something that we've decided to do to them. And again and again, this is one way I see us choosing uh, to live in, in the desert. We're invited to live in a world that doesn't say they're wrong and they should be destroyed, but instead says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, my friends, it is no mystery what God is asking us to do. It is not hidden away. It's not some secret. Most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, we know when we're doing it, and we know when we're not doing it. It's about loving our enemies, serving other people, and laying ourselves down. And as we say that, if we're honest with ourselves, and when I'm honest with myself, the first thing that pops into my head is, if I love my enemies, they'll destroy me. If I serve others, they'll take advantage of me. If I lay myself down, I'm going to get stepped on. And I think that's the stuff that fills up our river right there. That's the uncertainty that fills up our river. And maybe it's different for you, um, but that's, that's what it is, is for me. Uh, and we're invited to cross through that, despite that challenge, into a new kind of place where uh, making those kinds of choices is the right, normal, and good thing to do because we believe that if we do get stepped on, we've got a God who's paying attention. If our lives do get taken for us, there's a resurrection uh, to trust in. Uh, the promised land means that God is holding on to this world and he's holding on to us. And I think every one of us gets an opportunity, uh, sometimes in big ways and sometimes in small ways, to choose which way we're going to cross. And again, uh, God will not choose it for us. Um, read, read your Bible, read the Old and New Testament, you'll find stories again and again and again of God allowing people to make bad choices, and he allows me to make bad choices, he allows us to make bad choices. He will not force us to choose. And often what happens when we choose the wrong way, when we choose to go the other way, the more often we choose that, the quieter that conscience voice gets. The, the quieter God's voice gets in our ears. He's not going <laughs> to force us. And if we don't want it, he won't give it to us. But fortunately, it's not too late to choose to cross the river, and it never is. 
And so I don't know uh, what brings you here today. Uh, if you're watching online, if you're here now, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been through. Maybe, you know, you, you grew up and when you were like 13 years old, you prayed a prayer and you said, you know, Jesus, come into my life. And that was the last time you chose to cross that river. Every other moment you responded, uh, like so many of us do, with, with selfishness, and you quieted that voice, and you turned your back, and you kept going in the way that you thought was right and what was good for you. Maybe uh, you've never made that choice to cross that river, um, but Jesus died um, so that we could uh, choose what God has for us, so that we could put our faith in him, and by that, it, it means to, to live our lives like we believe that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. Not, not cheaply, so that we can keep a living selfishly, but costly, so we can grab hold of what God is offering us. So he's offering us something. I want to invite you to pray with me, um, whoever you are, and, and receive that offer. Um, and if that means that, you know, when you were 14 years old or whatever, you prayed that prayer and, and God came in and changed your life and you've walked the other way, or maybe you just need to be reminded um, of the God that chooses for us and of the different kind of world he's calling us to live in. But I want to invite you uh, to accept that this morning. Would you, would you pray with me what we'll do? Whenever we, we do this, and, and the, this is core to what it means to follow Jesus, is that if we can admit our own sin and failure and shortcomings, if we can confess our faith, our belief in Jesus, and that God raised him from the dead, uh, God will make us new. Um, we can't do it if we can't admit how, how screwed up I am. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so let's, let's pray together. Lord, we need you. We fail to choose correctly. We have failed the test. We've turned our backs on people. Lord, in these last six, eight, however long months, we have not acted like your children. We've turned our backs on people. We've ignored the needs of others. We've snapped at people. We've uh, thought of ways to destroy our enemies. <laughs> and so we, we confess that, Lord, and it's not okay. We need you. So we ask that you give us what? You're offering forgiveness. We believe that you made the right choice, that your son lived and died and chose to live in the promised land facing all kinds of challenges, just like the ones we face and more, that he died and rose again on our behalf, and that in his death and resurrection, we can take hold uh, and be a part of that. We believe in your son and we ask that you use your Holy Spirit to turn us into new people. People that live as if what you're saying in Scripture is true. People that can trust you through the many rivers that you present in our path, the many opportunities to choose you in faith that you have in front of us. We thank you, God, for that. In your name, amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.